So as we, uh, we think about what it means to be a mom, and you know, we've had kind of all these the kids talk to us about what their moms mean to them and all that. And um, I, I was thinking through scripturally what we were going to reflect on this morning and uh, what, what it is. Because I've, I've been accused historically of kind of saying this is a Hallmark holiday, which, you know, is kind of hard uh, for moms because it's more than that. It really is. And uh, so as I was reading through the word and kind of reflecting on places, um, the first thing that came to mind, just from a human perspective, is we all have a mom. I mean, every one of us has a mom, right? And um, I know that not all these relationships are, are easy, and I, I want to affirm that as well. I mean, sometimes we can get caught up in the flowers and the cards and that stuff, but I know it's hard. It's really hard. Hard to be a mom, hard, hard to be a, uh, a child, and, and not all those relationships are perfect. And so... Um, we pray that by God's grace they grow uh, to be more perfect over time. So we do want to recognize that getting into this this morning, but I also want to affirm and, and celebrate the, the role that God has ordained for women as mothers. It's a huge, huge thing. And the impacts that can be had on a family, on, on generations of people, is um, hard to calculate fully, really. So just a few things as, before we get into the actual passage for today, um, I wanted to kind of remind you of in Scripture, if you're one of, a guy like me who had a tendency to say, oh, this is a Hallmark holiday, right? Uh, the first thing that I, I saw right away is that Jesus rep- repeatedly affirmed in Scripture um, what this whole motherhood thing is about. And actually, there's two kind of a thing that we talked about before here. It says... Uh, um, the scriptures say that it is for this reason that a man will leave his father and mother and be cleaved to his wife, and the two will be one flesh. And if you think about that passage in totality, there's a lot of those maternal relationships that are happening. Because the first thing it says is that this is the reason that a guy will finally leave his mother and father, is for this girl, right? And we talked about that in here before, that when that girl comes along, you know, you know, that this one's, uh, I got to go, I got I to gotta leave. And that's a hard relationship to break with your mother and your father to set out on your own in the big world. And so uh, Jesus affirmed that in every gospel, he, he brought that scripture back at the very beginning as a, of, of, of primary importance. And then the second part of that, that same passage says that for this reason that they will, they will, the man will leave his father and mother and then be joined to his wife and the two will be one flesh. And, and uh, that is true in a spiritual sense. It's true in a, um, an emotional sense. It's true in a physical sense as God has it. And I know that that's not to say that couples who don't have children aren't complete, but I think that there's a very real manifestation of the scriptures that we all overlook in children and and fatherhood and motherhood that this scripture is fulfilled completely, that we've left and we've joined and we become one flesh. And so today we we celebrate that and remember that it was a priority for Jesus. I was reminded in the very first books of the Bible, we're going to be talking actually out of the book of Genesis today, but the very first woman on earth was named Eve, and she got that name because what Scripture says about Eve is she would become the mother of all the living. That from this one woman, every living human being would come. And that's what her name was. It meant living. And so there's something about mothers that is life-giving, and the Scripture affirms that. And after God's initial creative act, he passes that creativity on to us, and especially through mothers. I was reminded in, in the Gospel of John, the last act of Jesus on the cross, 
our Savior who died for our sins, the one whom we say we're going to try to be like that. Looking down, he looked at his mother and his beloved disciple. We've been talking about that for the last few weeks. And he said, woman, this is your son, and, son, and man, this is your mother. Because his last act was to care for her and to provide for her in a very real way, in a culture that maybe wouldn't have cared for her otherwise. And so I think that, that, that that's pretty poignant stuff, that when Jesus in his last breaths would take the time to remember his mom, it's pretty significant. And so today I want us to actually get into the, the First Testament, the book of Genesis, together and share a story of how awesome and impactful a mother can be. But before we get into it, I'm going to invite you to pray with me, if you would do when we open the word of God. Father, this morning we come to you as your children, and your word has been reminding us every week that we're children of yours, that, that in, in Christ we have been adopted as sons and daughters into the kingdom, into the family of God. And Lord, today we, we come into your word searching for truth, waiting for your spirit to reveal it to us. And we pray, Lord, today as we study men and women of faith, that their testimony would be encouragement and conviction to us. That it would be a challenge to us in some way and also a blessing. Lord, we know that we have closed minds to your truth and we have hard hearts. We are bent away from you. And yet, Lord, we know you can do miracles through your spirit. And so today, Lord, we ask that you would do that. As much as we're able, we give ourselves over to you, and then we trust you to bring us the rest of the way. And we pray that you would open our minds and our hearts and our eyes and our ears, that we could learn and grow from your word today. We pray this in his name. Amen. So I'm going to ask you, if you brought a Bible, you can turn there. We're going to be looking at Genesis uh, 27. Let me pull it up here. If you use one of our Bibles, it's on page 18, so it's really, really close to the front of the book. I'm going to give you just a minute to get there. And I just want to read the story first because, you know, sometimes story time, right, is a big deal. I don't know if it is in your home. It is in our home. Story time is a big deal, especially at night. Read me a story. And I, I, want, to, I want to hear this story together with you. And then we'll kind of talk through some of the maybe principles and points that we can find here. Genesis 27, we're just going to read 1 through 30 for those of you who are type A like me and see that that says 1 through 40 up there. All right. This is what the word says this morning. It says, when Isaac was old and his eyes were so weak that he could no longer see, he called for Esau, his oldest son, and said to him, my son, here I am, Esau answered. Isaac said, I am now an old man and do not know the day of my death. Now then, get your weapons, your quiver, and your bow, and go out into the open country to hunt some wild game from me. Prepare me the kind of tasty food that I like, and bring it to me to eat, so that I may give you my blessing before I die. Now Rebekah was listening as Isaac spoke to his son Esau. And when Esau left for the open country to hunt the game and bring it back, Rebekah said to her son Jacob, Look, 
I overheard your father say to your brother Esau, bring me back some game and prepare for me tasty food to eat so that I may give you my blessing in the presence of the Lord before I die. Now, my son, listen carefully and do what I tell you. Go out to the flock and bring me two choice young goats so I can prepare some tasty food for your father just the way he likes it. And then take it to your father to eat so that he may give you his blessing before he dies. Well, Jacob said to Rebekah, his mother, but my brother Esau is a hairy man and I am one with smooth skin. What if my father touches me? It would appear that I am tricking him and would bring down a curse on myself rather than a blessing. His mother then said to him, my son, let that curse fall on me. Just do as I say and go and get them for me. So he went and got them and brought them to his mother and she prepared some tasty food just the way the father liked it. When Rebecca took the best, then Rebecca took the best clothes of Esau, her oldest son, which she had in her house, and she put them on her younger son, Jacob. She also covered his hands and the smooth part of his neck with goatskin. Then she handed her son, Jacob, the tasty food that she prepared and the bread that she had made. And he went to his father and he said, my father, yes, my son, he answered, who is it? Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done as you told me. Please set up and eat some of my games so that you may give me your blessing. And Isaac said, ask his son, how did you find it so quickly, my son? And the, the Lord, I'm sorry, the Lord your God gave me success, he replied. And then Isaac said to Jacob, come near so that I can touch you, my son. I know to know whether you are really my son Esau or not. Jacob went close to his father Isaac, who touched him and said, the voice is the voice of Jacob, but the hands are the hands of Esau. He did not recognize him because his hands were hairy, like those of his brother Esau. And so then he blessed him. Are you really my son Esau, he asked. I am, he replied. And then he said, my son, bring me some of your game to eat so that I may give you the blessing. Jacob brought it to him and he ate and he brought some wine and he drank. And then his father Isaac said to him, come here, my son, and kiss me. And so he went to him and he kissed him. And Isaac caught the smell of his clothes and blessed him. And he said, ah, the smell of my son is like the smell of a field that the Lord has blessed. May God give you of heaven's dew and of earth's richness, an abundance of grain and new wine. May nations serve you and peoples bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers, and may the sons of your mother bow before you. May those who curse you be cursed, and those who bless you be blessed. After Isaac had finished blessing him, and Jacob had scarcely left his father's presence, his brother Esau came in from hunting. How many of you have heard this story before? Yeah, a few of us, right? A story of, uh, I, I, it's a hard one to deal with, isn't it? You know, this passage of scripture. And it's the story of a founding of a people of God that uh, sets in motion things for generations and generations to come. 
And so you might be like me when you first read it. You might, you, it might just irritate every sensibility you have, you know? It, it might just set wrong. It, you might struggle. You might wonder about this guy, Jacob, the heel grabber. You might wonder how Esau missed it, how he was wronged, how Isaac was deceived. But what I want to reflect on this morning, and I think it becomes the key to this passage, I want to reflect on the role of Rebecca in the Word today. And I'm going to kind of throw it out there, and I pushed ahead here accidentally, but that's all right. We're going to move into it here. There's some principles that we find in this passage that are applicable to our lives now as a mother and with our mothers. And the first is this, mama knows what's going on, Right? Mama knows what's going on. See, there's a, there's a point here whenever this first comes about that she comes to Jacob and she starts to tell him what he ought to do. And, and uh, Jacob kind of hesitates. He says, wait, wait, this is a bad idea. But, but Mama knows what's going on in this passage. And that's usually the case with you and I as well. In verse 5, it says, Rebecca was listening as Isaac spoke to his son Esau, right? And so she had all the information that she needed to make a decision on what was supposed to happen. And um, I'm sure that's the case with many of our mothers as well, you know? I don't know if you're like me at all, but there have been, and I wish my mother was here today. She, she's not. I understand that as well. But... There are times when we go to our moms and we'll, we'll say, yeah, but you don't understand. You don't know what's really going on here. You don't have all the facts. And uh, I want to say, especially to the, to the kids who are with us today, right, that, that you guys will have a tendency to do that. <laughs> Mama knows what's going on, <laughs> you know. And we can see that in this passage, that she actually had more information than Jacob had she actually knew what the plan was before Jacob, or maybe even Isaac, knew what the plan was. And so we ought to remember that when we say, Mom, you don't know what you're talking about, because oftentimes later we will eat those words, right? Rebecca knew exactly what was going on, and even more than that, Rebecca knew what was at stake in this blessing. The second thing I think we find in this passage uh, today is that um, mama always has a plan, right? Like, if you're a mother, you have to have a plan. I've heard that from a few of you. <laughs> Planning today's service was harder than usual because we didn't have much of a plan at times and a lot of mothers who want to know what the plan was. But mama always has a plan. And I think that... Um, we live in a time that we believe women are capable of anything, sort of, you know? There's always like a caveat. We think that they can do anything, kind of. And we actually believe it's because of women's liberation that that's happened. You know, now women are finally empowered. I want to tell you that in God's kingdom, he's been using women for a very, very long time, right? It didn't just start in the 60s, like some of us seem to think. And... and Mothers really are capable of anything that needs to get done. I'm reminded of around our house, I don't know if it's the way your house or not, but the, at my, our house, there's this way that things happen 
that I don't know that they've happened until after they've happened. I'll give you an example. We need to rearrange the furniture. But I don't know that. And I find out that we need to rearrange it after we've actually rearranged it. You know, because it's like, you know, that, that couch ought to get, I don't know, can you even move that couch? Like, I can move that couch. Well, it might take some time. No, no. And then all of a sudden you start doing it, and then mom just walks away, and you're like, hey, what just happened? Because <laughs> they can get anything done that they want to get done. Matter of fact, I'm pretty convinced, and see, uh, here's another secret for the kids. You think that your mother doesn't know what's going on. She knows what's going on, and she's playing a long game, kind of like God with you, you know? And she's, she's trying to get you to go the direction that you're supposed to go. In verses 7 through 10, I just want to read them again with you. This is what her plan is, right? Rebecca's plan says, bring me some game and prepare me some, uh, prepare, oh, he says, Esau, or Isaac says, bring me some game and prepare me some tasty food to eat that I may give your blessing in the presence of the Lord. And this is what he had said. Now she says, now my son, listen carefully and do what I tell you. Go out to the flock and bring two young goats so I can prepare tasty food for your father. I want you to notice what's happening in this passage. You see, Esau all these years thinks he really, really loves, or Isaac all these years thinks he really, really loves Esau's wild game. But mama knows exactly what Isaac loves. And so while Esau's out hunting, she's like, you go out there and get some goats. And I'm going to cook it up the way he likes it. And there's some truth in this uh, that she knows exactly what Isaac wants, even more than Isaac knows what he wants. A piece of advice here that I would have for you this morning is if you ever find yourself on the inside of mama's plan, go with it. You know what I'm saying? Like, I know it can be scary, but go with it, you know, because she's, she's got something going on. And in the passage of Scripture, she is actually bringing exactly what is supposed to happen about. And I, I, something else, this actually chokes me up when I read the text here, but uh, mamas know what it takes, you know? And, and in a household, we know, we, we take advantage of our mothers. I, I know as a husband, my wife does a lot of the stuff around the house. I know it. And, and, but mothers know what it takes to get it done. And I want you to see, this is in verse uh, 13. When Jacob comes and he says, now wait a minute, mom, if we do this plan of yours, I could very well be cursed for trying to deceive my father. It could appear as though I'm deceiving him, is what Jacob says. And his mother turns to him in this moment of clarity and of complete self-sacrifice. She says, my son, let this curse fall on me. You know, in the church, we call that sacrificial living. And every mother has it. Every good mother will just lay it down for her kids. She knows the price that we paid. And she says this not, not lightly or flippantly. Rebecca isn't like, just, ah, let it come to me. She's serious. She says, my son, let the curse fall on me. Rather, do what I say and go get this for me. And so she knows what it takes. She knows what it takes. One of the signs of, of a mother is um, that she would gladly give up her life for her kids. And you'll recall that our Savior Jesus said the same thing of a true disciple. True love knows nothing but this, that he would give his life for a friend. And um, we see that in mothers all the time. I want you to think about, really for a moment this morning, 
what exactly your mother gave to you. And we say life, and that's true. But I bet if you think through your, no matter how much you believe your mother gave up nothing for you, no matter how much you might think in your mind like she's never done anything, I bet there are things in her life that would be different if she weren't your mom. And I just want you to bring those to mind. Things that along the way that she gave up, she sacrificed for your good. And this isn't like the the mother pity party because the truth is that moms do this willingly. It's the craziest thing. Gladly. They will push you out of the way to get to the front of the line to lay it down, to sacrifice. And Rebecca knew it too, and she does it here. She says, you let that curse fall on me. You just do what I say because she knows that bigger things are at stake than herself. And I think mothers know that intuitively. A couple more here, and then I'm going to wrap this up. But uh, this is the one that kills me, right? Mom always knows who's right. <laughs> and I know I was an only child, but I've seen it in our house now that whenever the petitions come, mom knows who's right. You know? Like, you might think your house is a, not a house of justice, but I can tell you that it is. You know? She knows who's right. And, um, and the same is true here of Rebecca. She knows exactly, exactly what's going on, and uh, she knows what's supposed to happen. And I don't know. I just think about that all the time because I just can't tell you. It's like the first thing I talked about. How many times that I've gone and said, you have no idea what this is like. And, and moms know. Moms know. And she knows who's right <laughs> more than we like to admit. And, and here's uh, the last thing. This is from verse 20, right? There's this passage right here where where Isaac is a little stunned that Esau came back so quickly from the field. Now, we know the story, right, that Esau is still out hunting, but, but Isaac doesn't know it. And, and so Isaac says this in verse 20, he says, how did you find it so quickly, my son? I mean, how could you hunt so efficiently? How could you pull this together so quickly? Like, this is a miracle. And Isaac agrees, and, and he actually, or Jacob agrees, and he says this, um, the Lord your God gave me success. Because mothers are a blessing from God. And the truth is that had it not been for Rebecca, Jacob would not be standing where he was at that moment with his father. It would not happen. He would not be about to inherit the kingdom that would be bestowed on him by his father. Even though it sounds silly because he's standing there in goat skin, right? He's dressed in his big brother's clothes. I mean, this, guy, this kid was a tent dweller. He kind of hung around all the time, the tents. He's standing there with a stew that mama made and probably feeling like a fool. But in that time, when, when Isaac says, how did you pull this off? He said, God helped me. <laughs> and that came through mom. <laughs> you know, that's inferred there. The Lord, Yahweh, your God, gave me success. Now, I want to affirm yet, if you're sitting there and you're thinking, man, this is crazy. Like, what are you talking about? This kid comes in, steals the inheritance from his big brother who's out hunting. His mother's part of the deception. I know I'm a guy. I'm thinking, come on. Woman, who deceived me. You know, I can feel that. But the truth is, 
that God had brought all these things about. God had brought all these things about. One more thing on this passage, and then we're going we're gonna to turn back and kind of maybe, maybe trip you out a little bit. But um, here's the secret that mamas don't want anybody to know. Mamas have a favorite. You know, and this passage, you you got that right. That Mama has a favorite. You know, I mean, all, she loves all her. You know, but Mama has a favorite. But the secret is, Mama's favorite is you. You know what I mean? It's you. You know, they'll take you aside and be like, "You're my favorite." It's not just because you're the only child, Emily. You know what I mean? If you get four kids, five kids, twelve kids, you're my favorite. And you will have grown adults say, I was always mom's favorite. Yeah, you were. That's right. <laughs> it's, you know, it's true. It's true. It reminds me of God, actually. God has a favorite, too. So here's what I want to wrap up today, because you might still be thinking, like, man, this whole thing, what is it about? Because I, I, I'm with you, right? But Rebecca had a secret. Rebecca had a secret the whole time. And I want you to turn with me, if you would. It's one page before where you're at, I believe. It's going to be in 25. Genesis 25. And I just want to read this with you. 19 through 26. Rebecca's coming to Isaac was not a mistake. God had ordained every step of the process for this woman to be married to this man to have these children for a purpose for his kingdom. And in verse 19, I'm going to read it with you. This is what the story says. This is the account of Abraham's son, Isaac. Abraham became the father of Isaac, and Isaac was 40 years old when he married Rebekah, the daughter of Bethuel, the Aramean, from Padam Aram, and sister of Laban, the Aramean. Don't worry about it. It just means that it was the right person for Isaac. Okay, God went through a lot of trouble to get this woman in this man's life. Isaac prayed to the Lord on behalf of his wife. Listen to what it says in verse 21. Because she was barren, she had no children. And so Isaac had gone and prayed to Yahweh on her behalf. And the Lord, Yahweh, answered the prayer, and his wife, Rebekah, became pregnant. In verse 22, the problems start already. The babies jostled within her, jostled each other within her. And she said, why is this happening to me? How many moms can ask that, ask that question, right? Why is this happening to me? I want you to see what Rebecca's secret is here. So she went to inquire of Yahweh herself. She went directly to the Lord. When things already started feeling funny, right, she turned to God himself. And this is God's response to her. In 23, Yahweh said to Rebecca, two nations are in your womb. And two peoples from within you will be separated. One will be stronger than the other, and the older will serve the younger. I don't want you to miss that wherever you are today. That as a mother, God has a plan in your life. And the best way you can discern that is to go to Him directly. And to ask him, why is this happening to me? What is going on? You've brought me here for what purpose? Because God answers Rebecca. And for all of the guys and the other people here who are unsettled about this whole passage, about how Esau is getting cheated and Jacob is stealing and it's all deception and everything else, God said it was going to happen to Rebecca before they were born. 
That means that for Rebecca, her whole life, she watched Esau grow up and be the great hunter and Jacob hang around the tents. And she saw Esau be the light of his father's eye. And she heard God's voice in the back of her head saying, the older will serve the younger. And therefore, when the time came and she was to be faithful to her call, she was obedient to God. I believe Rebecca's secret is the key to this passage. And I believe, ladies, that as a mother, you can be a generation changer. I believe it's true. I believe that you and God can do things that no one else can do for your family. And I pray that just like Rebecca, if you don't know what that is, that you would be praying about that. And I pray you would take it seriously. that you would trust him with it. So we're going to spend some time in prayer and then we're going to celebrate with a, a song together. And we're going to have a few more things to wrap up today's service. But the response today, as, as I think through the text, is first that we give thanks for our moms. I mean, really appreciate them today. Really bless them today. Really pray for them today. And if you're not in a great relationship, I, I, I pray that you will get in a better one. I, I hope it will come for you. And then I think as moms, you can pray for strength and wisdom from God because he is dishing it out for those who are asking. So I'm going to invite you now to pray with me today. Father God, you know this whole concept today was a stretch for me. Because how do, how do I say things to moms? And Lord, I'm so grateful that today that your word reveals that you do, that you say things to moms. We pray, Lord, today that every mother who is hearing this, wherever they are, would receive strength from you. Not the strength that comes in a day and is gone tomorrow, but strength that comes for generations and generations. We pray, Lord, that they would be blessed richly in their role, that they would never doubt for a minute that it's not a mistake that you've called them there, that they are the only mother you would have in that place. We pray, Lord, that in the ways that we need to go and make peace, go and show appreciation, go and show love, that we would do it, that we would be genuine in that, for every, every way we can do it, Lord, we ask that you would compel us to do that. And then, Father, we, we pray for your kingdom to come and your will to be done. That somehow, through our faithful response to your revelation in our life, your purposes will be, continue to be brought about through faithful men and women. We thank you for your word today. We thank you for the places that it's challenged us. We pray, Lord, it's for your kingdom and for your glory and for your purpose. We thank you today for our mom. Bless them and answer these prayers. In the name of Jesus, our Savior and our Lord. Amen.